Hello, and welcome to the Oracle of Light. I'm Shauna DeMellon. I'm a lifelong medium and certified life coach. And making the connection with the afterlife has brought me the greatest joy. Since losing my son, Jack, I have navigated grief, heartache, and despair. And it was through connecting with my son on the other side that my heart began to heal and I was able to find joy and meaning in my life again. Now, I'm inviting you into this space as I explore the afterlife, the grieving process, and rebuilding after loss. If you'd like to discover the spirit world and how to move through the loss of a loved one or child, you have come to the right place. This is the Oracle of Light. Thank you for joining us today. I have a very special guest with me today. I have Elise Dusso. I think I said it right. Yes, I did. You sure did. Hello. Thank you. Hi. It's, uh, I'm so glad to have another conversation with you. We uh, we spoke um, a few weeks ago and just absolutely love your energy and everything that you offer the world. And I just love how the universe, I love how the universe aligns things. I just love it. It's just like, oh my gosh, there's another, another kindred spirit. I love this. So welcome. Yes. Thank you for saying that. I'm excited to do this with you. And I know we talked about it on my podcast as well when you were on mine that, you know, sometimes the universe brings you the people that you need to connect with. And that's the experience I've had over the last two years, all these people that come into my life. I'm like, yes, you are my soul family. Like I was supposed to meet you. Exactly. Oh, I love that. I so love that. Now, would you, would you share your background, who you are, how you got started, what happened? And of course your grief story. Yes. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Elise, as uh, Shauna mentioned, and I am 31 years old and I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, So I, earlier this year, I started a business as a Reiki practitioner and a grief coach. And I got into that because um, I was moving through grief and I lost my fiance in June of 2020 to a drunk driving accident. And um, as I moved through my journey in grief and I learned things and learned tools that helped me along the way. Um, one of those being Reiki, which we'll talk about later. Um, I knew that I was ready to help others and I enjoyed connecting with others on social media. I started sharing my story on social media and I found that so many people around the world were moving through the same thing that I was, um, as a young widow, but also just lost in general. And, um, yeah, I started connecting with people everywhere and then it kind of came into my practice as well. I've you know, I wanted to share what I had to learn, what I had learned. And the thing that was a little bit different, what I do is teaching others how to connect with their loved ones on the other side rather than moving on. So what I always say is let's move forward with them instead of moving on without them. And, um, so a little background, um, I met my fiance, Jared in 2015, and we met, uh, through a dating app, like the true millennials that we are. And, um, so we had chatted for about, uh, gosh, nine or 10 months before he asked me out on a date, nine or 10 months. I know. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's awesome. it. To be, be fair, I didn't ask him either. We would kind of just chat on and off. Um, I think I was very cautious with meeting up with people from, you know, apps or internet dating. You don't know who you're going to be meeting with. It's kind of scary, you know, to meet someone out in public or even in private. Um, but our first date was amazing. It was October of that year. And from then on, we were just kind of together. And throughout the years, as uh, we integrated our lives together and eventually moved in together. Um, he asked me to marry him in March of 2018. And so uh, we were one of those people who were like, we have no idea what kind of wedding we want to have. Do we want to have a wedding? Do we want to elope? Um, so we just kind of like, we couldn't make any decisions. So we just did nothing pretty much. And we just stayed being engaged, which was totally fine. Um, but then COVID happened. And at that point, I think I was getting kind of anxious to move on, make that next step, be married, but the world was shutting down. Um, so it felt like the only way we were going to do that was probably to elope. So we made plans to elope at the end of that year. Um, but in June of 2020, as I said, he um, unfortunately was involved in a drunk driving accident. Um, another driver hit him head on crossing a medium on the interstate. So um, the night of his passing, I was actually home alone. He had gone out to um, go see some friends in town. And I had a feeling, I had a really weird feeling that something was wrong. Um, it was late at night. He hadn't shown up at home yet, which was not unusual um, for him to like not answer my messages because he wasn't the kind of person who kept his phone glued to his hand. When he was with you, he was like truly with you in the moment. Um, so I, I remember sitting up in bed and I decided to search for car accidents that happened in my area. So where we live, um, the Department of Transportation will send out tweets to let people know where the accidents are, where to avoid traffic, um, if you're going to be driving. And so I checked it and sure enough, there was uh, a quite large accident that shut down both sides of the interstate. And it didn't mention any of the vehicles involved. I couldn't even tell from the photos what kind of cars they were. Um, so I kind of just told myself, Elise, like, you're overreacting. You're crazy. He will be here when you wake up. Just go to sleep. And so that's what I did. And sure enough, at around 5 a.m., my phone rings and it's his mother calling me. Um, we don't ever talk on the phone that early in the morning. And I'm never awake that early. And but I answered the phone and she the first thing she said to me was, is it true? Is it true? And she just kept repeating herself almost like she thought I had known and I hadn't called her yet to tell her or maybe I had known the night before. Um, and I just said to her, what are you what are you talking about? And I the same moment I look over to not see him there in the, in the bed beside me. Um so she went on to explain what she had been told and she quickly hung up because she had to make a whole bunch of phone calls. And I was she's like, I'll just let you, you know, I'll call you when I have more information. Mm -hmm. um, so I get up from the bed and I just start running around kind of frantically, not sure what to do with myself. You know, when someone just tells you something that crazy, I don't even think I believed it fully. Like I really thought she was going to call me back and say, oh no, they got it wrong. You know, he's just over at this person's house. Everything's fine. 
Um, but, you know, I started making phone calls, calling family, my sister, my mom. Um, I remember having to call his two best friends. Um, they were friends from his childhood and they lived in the same area as us. And I remember having to call his friend's wife and say, Hey, you need to wake your, you know, Chris up. That's his friend's name. Um, you know, here's what happened. And I remember that gut wrenching feeling of having to tell someone else, like someone had just told me, but now I had to make those phone calls and tell people. And, oh my, it's something I would never wish upon anyone to have to do. Um, so over the next few weeks, you know, our family gathered together, we planned the events, the memorial, all of that. I really just tried to distract myself. Um, my mom and his mom and I are very close, um, which was great, but it just, um, when I look back on it, sometimes it's all of a, it's all a blur that time period in my life. The first two, two months of that loss is all a blur. It felt like I wasn't, I didn't grieve him right away. Just kind of like you with Jack, I, I just kind of pushed it to the side and I focused on tasks that I could do to distract myself. So I remember we spent two weeks printing out thank you cards to send to every single person that attended his, um, you know, celebration of life. I'm like, is this really important right now? Um, but it was something to occupy my time. And I went back to work very quickly because I wasn't given any bereavement time. That's another huge thing that I don't talk about too much because my fiance and I weren't legally married yet. Um, that didn't fall into their policies of bereavement time. Oh. So I was given none. Um, luckily, I because of COVID, I had a lot of vacation days saved up for that year. And I was able to take you know my PTO time. But um, yeah, that was really hard to have to jump back into work. Luckily, I was at home because of the pandemic. And so I was able to, you know, if I had to cry in the middle of the day or take a moment to myself, I could do that without being embarrassed or having to run to the bathroom. Um, yeah. So shortly after I went back to work that fall of that year, I really started falling into a, like a hard spot. Um, I would, I've called it in the past, I've called it depression. I was never clinically diagnosed with depression, but it was really just the grief being so heavy. I had a hard time being around people, being around my friends. Um, I really just clung to his family and I spent as much time as I possibly could with them because they knew what I was going through. You know, they were grieving the same person I was. Mm -hmm. um, and shortly after Christmas of that year, that holiday, I decided that I needed to get some help and I didn't know what kind of help I needed. Um, I had looked into therapy, but I really wasn't into talk therapy. Um, I ended up finding um, a medium mm -hmm. on Google. I just randomly searched for, you know, mediums near me. I felt like I want to, I need to talk to him. I felt like I needed some kind of connection. And so I met with this really wonderful woman um, named Kim Salter, who's a good friend of mine now. And I had my first reading with her just after the new year. And from then on, things took a big turn for me. Things changed. I was finally allowed, like able to let myself feel joy because I knew that he wasn't completely gone. 
And it was such a beautiful reading that gave me so much healing. And I know that you find that with your clients as well. Um, it's a huge pivot. It was a huge pivotal point in my journey for me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you for sharing. And I am so sorry for your loss. Uh, what is his name? Jared. Jared. Yeah. Such a beautiful energy. Yeah. I loved when you said, um, we move forward with them. I love that. Like that is just, that is so beautiful. And I'm sure from the work that you do with people and your own experience, it's, it's, I find that a lot of people just get stuck. It's, it's just, they get stuck and it's, it's, they just, they, they can't even fathom the idea that they're not even, that they're not here anymore. And, and then they go into, you know, uh, the grief and the shame. And I, I, I could have done this and we could have, you know, this could have been a different out and, and, you know, this could have been a different um, result. And, and if we'd done this then they would still be here and why didn't I do that? And, and so there's all this, from my perspective, it's just, it's the ego that, you know, it's the ego that starts to try to understand and figure things out. And yeah, but also at the same time, everyone else around you is telling you, you, you'll be able to move on. You yeah. can move on. They keep saying that that famous word that everyone says, you know, someday you'll move on. It's like, I don't want to move on. I want, I want him. Um, So that's kind of where I've changed the perspective on that. You know, they can still be a part of our lives Yes, and we can still move forward and keep that relationship going. It doesn't, you know, just end. Exactly. And I, you know, and I always tell people, and I think we've talked about this, I always say, you know, your loved one is still with you. They're still, they're at every celebration. They're sitting with you when you're crying. They hear you when you talk to them. They're literally a thought away. They're just, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're everywhere. And yeah. that, you know, love never dies. They just, they just don't have their physical form anymore. And so I think that's, you know, as people move through their grief and they move, you know, they mourn and, and it's like, they come to this point of acceptance. I've heard some people refer to it as, you know, they reconcile. It's like, okay, okay. So they're not here in physical form, but I can still connect with them. I can still experience them and have that relationship as you were talking about. I just, yeah. And I think I got that knowing through that medium reading that I had. And that's from that point forward, I was able to suddenly open myself up to, feeling these things, seeing things, um, knowing that he's there in the car seat next to me when I'm, you know, when I'm driving, he's got his hand on my hand, like all these amazing things that started showing up because I suddenly had like an openness to feeling those things. Right. I think, I think if we're closed off to it, we're not going to see the signs. We're not going to feel here, know that they're with us. Um, so I think that's where, medium readings are really beautiful and can really, um, support you. I, you know, I agree, not just as a medium, but, you know, as as I've shared with you, you know, my experience having a reading, you know, she literally brought my son back. Like it was just, it was, it was in that moment. And I think, I think this, this is the point that I'd really love to, you know, highlight is that, um, you know, and what you were saying, it's, it's, you know, how open and available are you? You know, if we are so closed down and we, as you were saying, you know, we're, we're listening to what other people are saying, you know, you'll, you'll, you know, just get over it. I mean, I would hear, you know, just have another baby. It's not a big deal, not a big deal, mm-hmm. not a big deal. You could, you could do in vitro again, you could adopt, you could do this, you could do that, you know, and it's, it's almost like, you know, it's, 
I have a slight obsession right now with Peter Crone. Oh my goodness. He's absolutely fantastic. He's a, a mind architect. He helps people move. Okay. And what he said is, he said, people are so conditioned to offer a solution. And that isn't mm-hmm. what we need. That isn't what we need. And I'm I find that I have a few relationships where I'm trying to break that. It's like I just I'm I'm not I'm not looking for a solution. I just I just need to talk it out. And then he goes further into what are the underlying emotions? What are the feelings that are sitting there? What's what what do you need to process? And it was interesting because it was realizing that I hadn't processed any of the anger. I was so angry. I was angry at the doctors. I was angry at myself. I was angry at God. I was mm-hmm. angry at Jack. I was angry at my husband at the time. I was so angry that I couldn't even see or experience anything. And then yeah. it just, you know, it's so, it's so, I love that, you know, it's, it's how open and available are you? Because once, once we can open that up, then, you know, as you've experienced, it's, we, we have this whole other world that is just waiting for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The underlying emotions of grief. Oh my goodness. Oh. Um, I went through the anger as well. And I feel like it was kind of like a blip on my path, but it, it continues to come up still, even though I've really like evolved, you know, my grief has evolved over time. But in the beginning I had anger for this person that I never knew you know, the person who chose to get in a car after drinking one too many drinks and ended my fiance's life. I had anger for her, but also she also passed away and there was no one physically here that I could blame. So then what did I do? I I blamed God. Mm -hmm. You know, you move through that layer and every single time it's something new. And then I'm like, now I'm like, okay, who are her parents? Who are her family? I just felt like I wanted to know everything about this person. Um, and now I find myself changing the perspective where I, I think about her and her family a lot and what they've gone through. And I hope that they are doing okay. I think about her mom a lot, especially as this girl was her only child and losing a child, you know, now that I've worked with so many people who are grieving, I don't have anger for her or for her family. I have love and compassion, you know, Mm -hmm. that is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. Um, you know, I've worked with so many, um, so many families who have had, um, such tragedies where their, their children were, you know, there were accidents or, um, you know, they were, they were murdered and, and just, you know, there's so many, so many tragedies and, and each and every one of them, they've, they've shared, that they had to they had to let go of the anger because the anger was creating so much more and they sort of got caught in this continuum of time that only if if we had done this sooner if we had done more if we had done and that perpetuates the suffering and mm-hmm. that sort of you know keeps people um i i, I, I at a low frequency Yes. Right. Like it just, it really does. And, and as we've talked about this before, it's, you know, we need to raise our vibration, our frequency so that we can experience our loved ones and be able to, you know, perhaps not have full-blown conversations to start, but just to be able to experience them and just to start to feel them around you. Now Mm -hmm. you mentioned, um, 
the grief encompasses so many underlying emotions. Can you, can you share with us what that looks like? Yeah. So I'm sure you're all familiar with the five stages of grief and I believe the stages are valid, but also I think that it comes in so many waves. So even with, what is it? Bargaining, depression, anger, guilt, all of those, you might have more than one at the same time. You think you've moved through your anger and then it comes back around again a year later. You think you've moved through the depression and it shows up again, you know, five, five years from now when something triggers it. It's just, um, gosh, I definitely moved, have moved through all of them, even if it's just for short periods of time. And I think it's important to allow yourself to feel those things. You know, they say, you know, feel it to heal it. It really is true in this instance. Unfortunately, I don't want to feel the depression. I don't want to feel the pain and the anger for these people, but it's, it's a layer you have to move through. It's part, it's part of the grief. It really is, you know, and I love how you said that it's, I often tell people we are like a multifaceted diamond and there are so many edges and aspects and emotions and, you know, especially around grief, if we can, if we can sit with it, if we can sit with whatever the feeling is, whatever the emotion is, it's going yeah. to tell us something. It's it's going to share something with us. And it's, it's so powerful. A lot of, you know, I would say 80% of um, the mothers that I work with who have lost children, um, they have this fear that if they even touch the heartache or the heartbreak, if they even touch it, it's just going to ruin them. It's just, they just, they won't be able, they won't survive what's going to happen. And so I love that you brought up the, you know, the stages of grief. And and I totally agree. I think, you know, everyone, you know, I, I read for one family, five family members in the one family, and they were all at different stages. Some of them had fully accepted, some were stuck in anger, um, some were just absolutely depressed. And and it just, it's, I think it's it's just a beautiful, a beautiful service to offer the world to most importantly, let people know that they're not alone, mm-hmm. to acknowledge what's happened and and create a safe place for them to share their loss. Yeah. And I will say that very similar to that family that you read for Jared's family and I were all in very different stages all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I watched them. Some of them aren't able to speak his name still. Oh. Um, some people, other family members, every chance they get, they want to talk about him with me. And I love that. But I also recognize that we're all moving through this at different times, different stages. I need to respect how they grieve, just like they respect how I grieve more out in the open, you know, sharing as much as I can, because I just love talking about him. But um, that's part of it, too, is like respecting where other people, their process, you know. I totally agree. I think that that is so important because I don't know if you if you've experienced this, I would love your take on it. I find that I find that people that that sort of, you know, they kind of get grumbly and uh, we don't need to talk about this. It's over. It's done. It's move on next. Mm -hmm. I find they haven't even touched the grief. They haven't even, they haven't even gone there and that's okay. It's just, it's, I think, I think it's just, it's really being an invitation that as you mentioned, you know, we can move forward with them. And it's, you know, I've had so many people say to me over the years, 
what you do is crazy. Like you can't connect with them. They're not here. They're gone. You know? And I say to them, well, how do you know that you're breathing oxygen? Like, did you go to Costco? Did you buy a box of oxygen? Like, how do you know that you're breathing? And so I think it's just, it's, it's really giving, giving people the opportunity and just, um, showing them that there's more, like it's, it's possible. There's, and, and not necessarily that, you know, they have to believe in mediums or um, Mm -hmm. the afterlife or anything like that, but it's just, you know, maybe planting that seed that what if there is more, what if, what if you could experience them? You know, what would that be like? Yeah, for sure. And that's what I work on with my clients, but also the people that I come across who are, let's say non-believers or um, not open my mentor always reminds me that we are not here to convince anybody. Mm-hmm. If they will come to it in their own time, if and when they're ready, and if they're not, that's okay. I'm not here to convince you that everything that I see here and feel is real. I know it's real. I feel it. And that's the connection that's important. Absolutely. And I think it's like you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's, it's what's true for everyone, you know, and I'm my, um, the focus of, of my practice became uh, moms who have lost children. And in the last six months, I've had so many dads that have stepped forward now. And it's, it's amazing because and not that we've been trying to forget the dads. Um, and just the moms just seem to gravitate toward me because I've also lost a child. I think there's that, right. that, that connection, that, that kindred spirit. Um, but it's interesting because I find that so many people who, not necessarily were naysayers, but they just sort of were like, hmm, okay, I don't, seems kind of weird to me. But then when something like this happens, it really touches home. And I think, you know, as humans, we're, we're trying to figure out, okay, what is this? Where did it come from? I don't ever want to experience this again. How do we get rid of it? How do we, what can we do with it? And so again, you know, moving through all of that and that, yes, we can, we can have that, that, that experience with them. So how do you experience Jared now? Oh my gosh. He, I'll tell you this, he is a show off. And I say that, and what I mean when I say that is that he shows up constantly and he loves to send signs. He loves to, I mean, I, I'm clairvoyant as well. So I see visuals of him all the time. I always see him different outfits, different facial hair, you know, there was one time before he passed away where he was trying out a mustache for a little while. <laughs> I see him that way and it just makes me laugh, but um, he's very, very active with the signs. Um, oh my gosh, I have so many amazing science stories. I'm trying to think of, okay. So one of the ones that um, happened more recently within this past year. Um, so I was on our, on his, the death of his, bleh, on his anniversary of his death, um, last year and this year I chose to go see my friend Kim again I was a medium um because I want to even though I know I can talk to him I want to have that really deep connection with him on that special day and so something that he brought through and he kept saying was um where are my shoes I don't know I don't have my shoes where are my shoes and for reference like I didn't get any of his clothes back um that he was wearing that evening um I was giving nothing but his wallet so I have no idea what happened to his belongings. Um, and so I also don't know where his shoes are, so I couldn't answer the question, but you know, I kept it in the back of my mind. And about two to three weeks later, uh, my brother-in-law sends me a message 
a text message and he says, um, uh, Era, who is my niece, Jared's niece, um, she, we just put her down for bed. And at bedtime, she said to us, um, Uncle Jared went up the mountain to the other side and he forgot his shoes. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I know. Oh, and of God. course, J Jason didn't know what this meant or what the significance was. But when I read this message, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's It's been little things like that oh, constantly over the last couple of years. Oh, my God. That is. Yeah. Wow. That's mind blowing. I love that. Like, that's just mm -hmm. such a beautiful confirmation. Right. Like you're saying, like, it's it's nice. Yeah. You know, we can connect with our loved ones. We can see them, experience them. We know they're with us. But it's it's having something like that happen that I think for me, it, it just really, it really solidifies my faith and my mm -hmm. knowing that there's more, there are more, there's yeah. more and, and they're okay. And they're with us. And I just love that. And, you know, I often say to people, you know, why, you know, people that I work with a lot of people that have fear about connecting they're afraid to see they're afraid they're going to be possessed or taken over or something bad's going to happen and you know i often tell them well you know children children come in and they're wide open and they see spirit and they communicate with spirit and so do animals and i said that's because they don't have any points of view that it's wrong it's scary it's evil it's the devil um you know i'm going to be hurt it's not safe it's just they're a clean slate they don't have any of that I call it garbage. They don't have any of that garbage that's preventing that beautiful connection. So I also wanted to mention that. I mean, that is just so beautiful that she was so wide open to see that and experience that. I love yeah, it. they are. They are so connected to him and I can, I can just see it. Um, my, so Jared, interesting fact, um, Jared passed away the day before my, my 29th birthday. Um, and so on the first anniversary of his passing, um, I believe it was the next day. So it was my birthday. I was having cupcakes with his family, you know, just in the kitchen. And um, my niece and nephew were there. They're really young. They were only two and three. They're quite young. And I um, said to my nephew, Max, I said, do you know how old I'm turning? And I, um, and I held up, I held up three fingers and a zero to say I'm turning 30, you know, and I wanted, I wanted him to say 30, but you know, cause he's so young, he can only count like fingers. Um, and he just, he stares at me and laughs and says, Jared, Jared, Jared. <laughs> he says it three times. Oh, so sweet. Isn't that crazy? Oh my God. I love that. Oh, yeah. that is I, so like, I said to my sister-in-law, it's like, what did he just say? Like, <laughs> I like did I hear that correctly? <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. That is so sweet. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. So sweet. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Do you get, um, do you get any other, other signs? Like I, I get heart rocks from my Jack. Do you get anything like that from Jared? Anything that you find over and over and over? Yeah, I get a few different things and it's kind of, um, it constantly is changing. So when I, he had first passed, um, I would get, uh, rocks with words written on them. So I would be like on a hike and I would find a rock that was painted with something like a cute little saying on it or something. And then shortly after that, it became anchors, like boat anchors. Um, I still see those today. And then I started asking for pink elephants. I wanted something so random, so unique that I couldn't explain it away. Right. So the first time I asked for pink elephants, um, I was on vacation with my mom. 
we were in Hilton Head, South Carolina, which is like on the coast. And um, we were in our hotel room looking for things to do, you know, the next day in town. And I had asked the pink, I had asked for the pink elephant the night before. I couldn't sleep. I was up just like thinking about him. And I said, hey, Jared, send me a pink elephant. You know, I just want confirmation that you're around, even though, you know, he's always sending me signs, but you know how it goes. You want to sign. <laughs> so yeah. So the next morning I'm scrolling on my phone, looking for things to do in the city. And suddenly an ad pops up and it's for, to go visit two um, life-size elephants, like sculptures of elephants. One is pink and one is gray. <laughs> so literally a giant pink elephant on my phone the I next day. Yeah. Nice. nice. I love that. Oh my yeah. God. I He's love powerful. that. <laughs> he is. And, and, you know, it's just, his energy is just like, oh yeah. All right. We'll make this happen. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. He's like, don't, don't doubt my abilities. <laughs> like <laughs> challenge accepted. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. So I wanted to delve in a little bit into Reiki and, and I'm, I'm also a Reiki master teacher and yeah. I find that Reiki is just so, it's just so powerful and it's, it's just so healing and nurturing. And, and would you share a little bit about your experience with Reiki and, and then what that looks like, you know, how does that help grief? How does that help? How does that help someone move, move through the loss of a loved one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just after the one year anniversary of his passing, um, I started experiencing some really bad anxiety. Um, I had never had anxiety before this. Um, I didn't quite know what it felt like, but I knew I wasn't just stressed. It was something other than just, you know, everyday stress. Um, and a friend actually recommended, she's like, well, you know, I go see this woman for Reiki. I had no idea what Reiki was, never heard of it. Um, you know, I go see her once a month and she works on me and I leave and I feel better. I'm like, Okay, I'll <laughs> sure I'll try it. Um, I am very much someone who chooses not to take medications if I don't have to. So I was really looking for something more like homeopathic to try and um, holistic. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a try. I go to the appointment. Um, it was an hour and a half Reiki session. And when I left there, I felt completely different. I felt open. My heart was open. I was, I was suddenly like feeling Jared even more strongly than I ever had before. And my anxiety went away completely what? from that one session. Yeah. From one session. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is powerful. I need mm -hmm. to learn more about this. So by the fall of that year, I had decided to take my Reiki certification um, so I took my level one, like in November of that year. And a few months later took my level two. Um, and I started my business just earlier this year, Jan I think it was end of January, February. And I started taking Reiki clients. Um, and I found that all of my clients who were coming in for Reiki were also experiencing grief. And so we were connecting on the grief and we would spend a good time in the session talking about what they were working through. Um, and so I said, okay, there's something here. I think I can help these people with not only Reiki, but with the, the tools that I've learned through my journey. Um, and so that's where grief coaching came about, but, uh, the Reiki I have felt is this beautiful tool to not only like strengthen and help move the energy in your body. It helps you helps open you up. It helps open you up to feeling and seeing signs, um, 
provide some balance back to your body. When you're, when you're in grief, you're so out of balance all the time, especially when you're pushing emotions down and not letting yourself feel them, which sometimes we have to do depending on situations that we're in. If you don't have the space to grieve, Mm -hmm. um, Reiki can really help open all that up. I love that. That is so beautiful. I love that. I always, I always tell people, um, Reiki is kind of like a rotor rooter. It's kind of going through and it's kind of dissolving and then chewing up the energy that <laughs> that's, that's no longer clogged. Yeah. Right? I so, I talk about, yeah. I talk about like energy moving through pipes, like exactly. pipes in your body. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. When I tell people, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like you're, it's like, it's Drano. It's like, it's going to get that clog. And then that allows more of that beautiful energy to flow through that will, you know, assist with the healing and assist with, you know, just, you know, it, it, I I often tell people that um, you know when you're when you're moving through the loss of a loved one is you know in any kind of loss, but especially the loss of a loved one is just so important to you know step into the art of extreme self care and to really take care of yourself. And that's usually one of the first things that I say to someone is maybe you know let's have a reiki session or you know go sit by the river or you know if you need to eat chocolate just eat it and and just whatever whatever you need to help you to feel better. And I love what you said about that. It's um I remember the first reiki session that I had. I literally felt like I'd been plugged back in again. It was like, "Oh, what just happened? What did you do?" who am I? Who are you? Where are we? What's going on? Like, it was just like, (laughs) what just happened? It was just, it was so amazing. And it's, I love how it, you know, I I work with a lot of mothers who, you know, have had miscarriages and, you know, failed IVF and, um, you know, they didn't have, you know, a physical child. Um, They had the hopes and dreams of one, but they didn't actually have that physical baby. And I love the Reiki because it's just, it's just so nurturing and so loving. And, you know, I love that, that you can use it for anything. I often, it's the heart and, you know, for those moms, it's, it's their womb energy and just, just, it's like, it just encompasses them with love. And I think, especially in this day and age, I mean, aside from grief, we have so much that's been going on in the world and people are really struggling to, you know, come back to that center. Like you, you know, we were talking about a little bit earlier about just, you know, you were saying, um, you know, feeling, feeling okay with things and feeling good about stuff and just, you know, experiencing joy is what I think you had said. And um, I find that it's, it's just so beautiful to be able to be wrapped in that energy and just, just even doing something nice for ourselves. It's almost like, it's almost like there's this, this idea that, you know, we should grieve in quiet. Like we should just go over there and do it. And we don't want to talk about it. It's like, it's like, okay, well, you know, it's been this amount of time and we really don't want to talk about it anymore because we're uncomfortable. So let's move on to something else. And it's interesting because I'm finding that I'm finding that more and more people are stepping forward and talking about grief because it's, I think it's just so important to, acknowledge and it's so important to to know that everyone grieves and everyone experiences that differently and mm-hmm. um, I find it just it's so amazing like we were talking about earlier about you know how the universe aligns people and we can we can really experience that that connection feeling like you know like we're not alone that there's nothing wrong with me I've just I've lost you know the love of my life I've lost you know this person that was my person. And so, yeah. you know, having people, I think it's beautiful that you're able to, you know, be that and be in that energy and be that love. And then it's magnetizing more people in to find you. I think that that's just so incredible. 
Yeah, I do think, like you were saying, sometimes it's almost like the outside world makes you feel like it's not okay to grieve anymore after a certain period of time. I don't know if you even saw this, but um, there was an article that came out talking about um, grief and that if you are grieving um, beyond, I think it was one year that you have a disorder. Yes. Yeah. It was like a very controversial article. I I think it was, Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't the New York times. It was another magazine, I believe in New York. And, um, when I read that, I, it made me so angry because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, the person who wrote this probably has not experienced grief before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think that what I'm doing and what I'm, and what I'm sharing is also like giving other people permission to be open and keep like, it's okay that you're still grieving, you know, even if it's been yes. 10 years. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I love that you brought that up because it's, um, there was somebody that reached out to me and I I have her permission to share this. She said, um, she's been grieving the loss of her partner. And, you know, she said it just, she said, she just, she said she felt like life was a disaster. Um, and then she said she was just still hurting. And so she went to see, um, a counselor, or I'm not sure who this person was, but she went to go see someone. And this person uh, diagnosed her with a bereavement disorder. Mm-hmm. And so she reached out to me and she said, what? And she said, apparently I have persistent, complex bereavement disorder and complicated grief. And I just, I just, I stood there and I thought, huh, okay, okay, okay. And so I thought, why do we need to have a new classification for something? Like I, from my perspective, it's like, there's something keeping it stuck. There's somewhere along that spectrum of, like you said, you know, move forward with them, move through the grief, you know, somewhere in there, there's something stuck. And so I I just, I was a little angered by that as well. And, And the article that you mentioned, I thought, no, 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 no. We don't need another classification. We don't need to stamp people with things. We don't need to, you know, keep people stuck. Like this to me is just, is, is going to keep that person stuck there. Well, I've been diagnosed with it. So it's real. So I have to keep it. Okay. So this, this is what I'm doing. And so where this is me, this is me now, like exactly doctors telling you, this is who you are. This is what you're dealing with. But I also do want to recognize that there is, I think parts of grief where if you were in a place where you were causing physical harm to yourself or um, in a place where you cannot take care of yourself, do seek like help for that. I think absolutely, it's totally, absolutely necessary. Absolutely. Um, you know, but if you are just grieving someone you love, you're sad, like you, you physically miss them. Like that is just part of the human experience. There's it nothing wrong with you. Exactly. You know, and it's, I just thought that was so powerful. I thought she's otherwise, you know, functioning in her life. She's, you know, she has loved ones and she has a career and, you know, she just, this one piece of her life that isn't getting better. And I love what you say, you know, like, I mean, if, 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 you know, you're having, you know, thoughts of harming yourself or someone else, then then definitely reach out to someone. If, um, you know, I find it just so interesting because again, it's like, 
it's becoming more widespread, you know, where there are more people talking about it, more people that yeah. are willing to come forward and say, you know what, I had this happen. And this is how I got through it. I had this happen. And this is what my experience was. And, and I think it's giving people permission to even look at it to acknowledge, you know what, this is real. And it's, you know, it's something I remember, you know, years ago, we, we, one of our cats had to be put down and, and, and not, not equating a cat with a human. Although I know people that, you know, have never had children and their fur babies are their children. You know, I get Absolutely. it. I get it. Yeah. So we had this cat and the cat had been put down. Um, and there was no discussion around it. I remember my dad came home and, and, and we were like, where's the, the, the cat? We can't find mittens. Where is she? Did she get outside? And he said, no, she died. <laughs> and there was no, okay, well, come sit down. Something happened. Let's talk about this. Wow. <laughs> like, was this like, when you were a child? Yeah, I think I so, was. That, was that your like first experience with death? That was, I'm wondering if that was my first experience. No, no, no. There was an, there was an experience before that. Um that I had experienced, there was a loved one. And again, you know, my grandmother had died, an uncle had died, different people in my world had died, and there was never a discussion around it. There was never, okay, come and sit down. I remember our little dog, uh, this was years ago, he had to be put down. And um, we had to make the decision pretty quick because he lost the use of his legs. And my daughter was at school. And I remember thinking, oh, she didn't, she didn't get to see him or she just, just, oh my goodness, how do I hold space for her? And so when she came home, I said, okay. And she, she's like, why are you so sad? Why are your eyes red? You're crying. I said, okay. So I said, Wiener, Wiener's gone to sleep now and he's not going to come back. And she was like, what, why didn't you tell me? And I said, sweetheart, we just, we had to make the decision. The vet, they needed to, he was in pain and I'm so sorry, sweetheart. And then it was so cool because then she saw him because, you know, kids are wide open. She's like, yeah, Wiener. I heard Wiener. Wiener's here. He's home. He's here. No, you're lying. He's here. So it was really cool because, and not to say that, you know, you have to be a medium to be able to hold space for your children like that, but just, just, just holding space. And I think just the simple question, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. How are you feeling? What, what does that feel like for you? What does that look like? How are you feeling? And so, yeah, it was interesting because yeah, it was just, yeah, the cat was there. The cat was gone. Okay. So we don't talk about that. And then when my grandmother died, same thing, my grandmother died and I, I didn't want to go to the funeral. I remember I was like, I'm not going to her funeral. No. And so they made me go to the funeral. And then afterwards they were going to do, they were getting together to have, you know, tea and sandwiches and stuff. And I said, no, this is not a celebration. I refused to go. I was like, no, I was so upset. And again, no one came and said, hey, are you doing okay? Do you want to talk about this? And I swear for like a year straight, I wore black. That's all I wore. <sighs> I wore black. I was so upset. I didn't realize I was mourning. <laughs> but it's interesting, right? Like it's, you know, having the awareness and the information I do now, I look back and I think, oh, you were grieving and mourning someone that you absolutely loved. And you didn't have anyone to process that with. You didn't have anyone to even hold space for it. And, you know, I think the adults around me also didn't have the capacity. They didn't, they weren't available and open. They, they didn't even know how to process it for themselves. So how do you, what are, you know, what are some, some, what are some tips that you can give our, our listeners as to, you know, how, how do you find, how do you create that, that, arena for your healing? Like what, what are some things that you can add to your world to help support your grief? Yeah, I think 
the first and most important thing, even before looking for healing is just letting yourself feel it completely, just letting yourself be in it as much as you possibly can. Um, so that when the opportunity opportunity does come to start the healing, you are ready, I think. Um, but I do recommend for me, the number one thing was looking for the signs, asking for signs. Um, and with that, the medium reading was super pivotal in my grief journey as well. So, but just like we've said, you do not need a medium to connect with your loved one. They are always here. So I would say like, continue the conversation, you know, when they are no longer here, physically sitting next to you, speak to them as if they are, because they're, they are here. Right. (laughs) Um, I know that my fiance hears me because he shows up and sends me signs to let me know that he's heard every word I said. Um, so I think the simple act of just talking to them is a huge thing. Um, I know people get in their heads and they're like, well, I don't, I feel like I'm making up the answers. You know, I feel like I'm not really hearing them and that is valid. That is a huge thing. Um, but there's an element of trust there. You just have to trust. The next thing I really do think like Reiki is super helpful. It's not the end all be all. It's just a tool, just like everything else with energy work. It's just a tool to aid you in your healing. So I think as we were saying earlier, self-care is super important, taking care of yourself and also finding people who can hold space for you without judgment. That is a huge thing (laughs) that is hard to find when you're grieving. Um, especially if you want to grieve out in the open, like someone like me who has chosen to share her grief journey on social media, um, there is a fear of judgment there. Am I grieving too much? Does it look like I'm, you know, trying to get pity, which is absolutely not the case, but mm-hmm. you know, those thoughts always run through your mind. Um, but I think finding those people who, you know, will support you and hold space for you, whether that be friends or family or a therapist or, you know, maybe it's your Reiki practitioner, whoever it is. Um, I think that's really important. It was super helpful for me. I love that. That was just so beautifully put. I love that. Would you touch a little bit on the secondary losses? What does that look like? Oh gosh. Yeah. I think it's different for everyone. Um, it really, it partly depends on the type of loss, but for me, I think the secondary losses were more about the future. Losing um, this idea of having a family with my partner, Mm -hmm. Um, future children, our future wedding, all of those things. Um, And also I lost myself. I lost I lost the version of myself that I was. Um, I'm a completely different person now. I truly believe that. And I grieve, I grieve for her as much as I grieve for him, you know? Mm. Um, But in other situations, some people might experience loss of family. So um, I am lucky to have an amazing relationship with my in-laws and their family. I've, they've always made me feel like I'm part of the family and I feel like it's always going to be that way. I hope, but um in some other situations for other widows or people who have lost a partner, sometimes that's not the case. Um, you might lose connection with a whole group of people that you once called family and they're not, they're no longer wanting to support you, especially if 
say like you lost a spouse and, you know, in-laws are not wanting to be a part of your life anymore. Um, that's something that you might have to work through. Um, yeah. Mm, I love that. That's, that is so beautiful. I absolutely, I, we could talk for hours and hours. We'll have to, we'll have to get together again. I know. <laughs> right now. Would you, would you please share with our listeners, how can they find you the name of your podcast, how to yeah. get in touch with you? Where are you, where are you on social media? Tell us everything. Absolutely. So on, I'm very active on Instagram. My Instagram is intuitively underscore Elise, A-L-Y-S-E. Um, my website, intuitivelyelise.com. And that's where you can um, find me to connect for, you know, my offerings or bookings. Um, and then the podcast is called the Grief Awakening Podcast. And we're pretty new to the space. So I've only got, you know, about six episodes in, but I'm really enjoying creating that. Um, and it's been a place for me to have a new voice in my grief. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. Thank you for sharing Jared with us. Um, yeah. As always, I love chatting with you and you too. Mwah, sending you mountains of love. Thank you so much for having me.